Well, hello, everybody. Didn't know if you've realized, uh, but we're back. And I'm not, not saying we are back. You know, we're back in quarantine. So hope everybody got your, you know, your emergency blankets, your water. Um, I hear the TP supply is robust this time. So don't worry about that. But yeah, we just dropped back into it. So everything's shutting down again. Don't know if this is the quote unquote second wave or the first wave anymore. I've kind of lost track. This has been since what, March 15th now? Kind of? Mm -hmm. It's gonna be like August 15th before we know it. So yeah, that's, that's our big, sorry to you know, put a damper on your day, but I'm just saying, hey, that's the reality. We're back mm -hmm. again. Things still suck. Um, I'm not going to say why they suck. We all know why they suck, and I hate saying those words. You've heard me complain about it in the past. So let's just jump into it. Um, you know, I, I know we, we talked about we're, that we're switching to a two-week schedule for a short time. Mostly my fault. Um, exciting stuff, though, that's happening. Like I said, we, we talked about a little bit. Lots of cool things. We're working on some stuff. I am now switching kind of my life up a little bit and actually recording in Chowchilla, my hometown. Let's go. Uh, but yeah, so I haven't got to say it in a couple weeks, but Mr. Summary, how are things going? What are we talking about today? Yeah, well, today we're, I mean, some of the, some of the hot topics in the news lately have been almond harvest. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about almond harvest and how that relates to COVID and uh, talk a little bit about what's coming up in the future. So that's what our discussion is going to consist of. And uh, yeah, thank you for making the announcement. And thank you to everybody who has been listening, uh, sticking with us as we're still trying to go through some growing pains. And uh, we appreciate the patience and uh, yeah, the loyalty. So yeah. All right. Okay. Well, yeah. I know we, we're doing intro a little different today. So Connor, pose the question because I have been like gnashing at the bit to have this conversation. <laughs> I am so excited. I'm sorry. Just the the fact that you could you combine two adages like that. I love it. Oh, um. I, I try, dude. I'm, I try to be punny. Oh my god. Oh man, yeah. So. Uh... Instead of our normal introduction, we're actually going to be giving our impressions on the new Ford Bronco debut. Ooh. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to be kind mm -hmm. of um, the the arbiter to this discussion the because mediator? Josh is obviously very excited, and yeah. we have a Jeep owner in our midst. So we're gonna be talking about the Jeep killer today. So yeah. There's my little bias there. Yeah. It's <laughs> it is what it is, dude. But I, anyways, I also have my own reserve or not reserves, but my own reservations, my own thoughts and there reservations. Go. There we go. There yes. We go. Sorry. So yeah. So tell me what Josh, do you want to lead off? No, I actually, I would like to see, you know, it's, it's customary to let the old watch, the old guard, you know, stand up <laughs> and discuss for so Jeanette, if you'd like to speak to the, um, future death of what has been around since World War II. Go, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, since World War II. So, mm -hmm. just putting that out there. Rephrasing that. So, it's been to war. Perfect. It's reliable. It's good Except for off-road. For heating problem, but yes, continue. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like... My initial opinion, like the first first view of it, it has a nice style. I like the front of it. I like the body. Um, really nice colors. Uh, it is comparable to the V6 of the Jeep Rubicon. So it has good features. You know, the interior part of it, all leather. I like that because if anything, pop the doors off. So. This is where I thought it was really interesting, mainly like maybe my favorite part of of it all was the rooftop. So the rooftop is like basically split in the middle. As compared to the Jeep, the hardtop, as you know, is like super heavy and like freaking hard to get off. 
So I did like that. It's very accessible on that end. The front, the front half of the two doors of the rooftop is like super simple as always, but I really did like the interior part of it. Now the complete body style, I mean, they really did <laughs> slap a Jeep, the body style of the Jeep and just put the front of the Bronco. That's my opinion. If you could see my face right now, people. But I've been seeing... I, I, it's, that's my initial opinion. Like, that's how that's I see this it, is you know? This is impressions, yes. But, I mean, everyone's been talking about it, you know? It's just, they're, they're jacking some styles here and there, but I haven't really, re like, viewed any full reviews as to people that have compared them both like off-road test um it does seem like they're pretty much like in between the same but i mean they they can both tell about 3,500 pounds however so the, if i could just interject yeah. in jeep's favor i this morning in preparation i built a brand new jeep rubicon on their website and you can now get the eco diesel in the Jeep Rubicon. Which, it, critical, critical yeah. success factor right there. I, I have to give it to you. You can get a diesel Jeep, which is cool. Mm -hmm. You can also get a Hellcat super Jeep. Cool. Um, oh, jeez. Yes. The Hellcat uh, Jeep, yes. However, I'm going to yeah. point a couple of things out where you're just, <laughs> you're just wrong. Okay. A, they built well, the this new... This supposed to be impressions. No, no. Oh, excuse me. Impressions. Impressions. No, I no, apologize. No, let the man sorry, talk. Sorry. Well, yeah. Jeanette's getting it, fired up. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm already fired up. They I'm just good. built a new Bronco with independent Split front suspension. Okay. And we're talking about how, oh, that's not going to be worth it. What are you talking about, dude? If you were riding down the road in a Jeep, and Jeanette can probably attest to this, every time you hit a bump, it's like your kidneys are bruised. Okay. They ride a little rough. There's solid axles in there. Not that rough, Jeanette. That's an exaggeration. She's now mm. looking at me like, my Jeep's amazing. Don't tell me that. Okay. No, you know, when, when okay, I'm going to say this and not say I'm a bad driver, but when I go over speed bumps, they, they tend to be really well, especially the new ones, because I... Oh, that's, that's really good. Scream. So it's a real speed... I, I have no, I'm talking about the speed bump, not the child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why, why, why on earth would I run You said you were a bad driver. Continue. <laughs> oh my gosh. Continue. Oh. I just oh. want to make that point. Okay, but, but point number two, and this I think is the, the coolest thing any auto manufacturer could ever do for a vehicle. They have GOAT mode. Okay? GOAT. Like, GOAT, greatest of all time, A... B, like the goat, like a mountain goat, and it literally stands for go over anything. Except anything's one word. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, what do yeah, you compare? But no, it's just, it's got. I guess you could break it up. I yeah. Guess you could. Yeah. But, yeah. but still, it's just go over anything. And I was like, okay, I would love to drive a vehicle that's the goat. It's like mm -hmm. LeBron James or Tom Brady, and I am sorry if I just offended some people with that, but uh, they are the goats of their respective sports. Um, yeah. If you think Peyton Manning, which this is for one of my friends who I know doesn't listen, if you think Peyton Manning is better than Tom Brady, you can just sit down now. Um, six rings, dude. Tampa Bay, Gronkineers, they're coming up this NFL season, you know, no fans. Okay, now I'm getting off track. But yeah, so okay, I think the Broncos is going to kill the Jeep. Uh, they're going to build, you know, inevitably it's going to happen. We're going to have the F-150 Bronco crossover to go after the Gladiator. Calling it now, what, today's Tuesday, July 21st of 2020. I'm calling it. We'll see if it happens. Yeah. You know, Ford does a good job. Yeah, because what I'm... I was just oh, going to say, go Ford does a good job of paying homage. It it looks like a 1960s era Bronco. It's yes. So that's pretty cool. I do like that. And, you know, the, giving some credit to the Jeep, too. You know, the, the style's been pretty much the same since yep. it came out. Circular headlights, slotted grill. Same thing. So, yeah. How, however, yeah. I 
sorry, Jeanette, right. but before, before we exit out on this, I will have to say, so the new Bronco has one thing, and this is a little argumentative. This isn't a reaction, so I apologize in advance. The, the new Bronco pays homage to its original Bronco friends. However, the Jeep still, in its current iteration, you can slap eyelashes on that thing like you're driving a Volkswagen bug around. And I just think that you can't make something like that cool. If it can have eyelashes. Or angry eyebrows. Or angry eyes. <laughs> it's like Mr. Potato Head in Toy Story. It's like, don't make me put on my angry eyes. Oh my gosh. When yeah. I see guys riding around with those, I'm like, yeah, you're probably 16. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're 16 or... So you're telling me that the angry eyes on a Jeep don't make it look beefed no. up? No, especially no. With absolutely girl? not. It looks, like, it, it looks like some dude who it weighs 125 pounds dripping wet with a tribal tattoo yeah. that drinks light beer and says that he's tougher than anybody else in the room. No, he's the guy that literally goes back to high school football games at 28 and looks at you and goes, <laughs> yeah, I remember my days on this field. Friday Night Lights. See, <laughs> and you... And you talk about you guys. You guys talked about this. The Jeep is known for the same style because it's unique in that sense. Yeah. No matter what you can change to it, it's still going to remain the same. <laughs> or or tap out. You tell me, dude. Like. <laughs> Metal militia. <laughs> Metal militia. Okay. Okay. Oh, well, there you go. There's. There's my reaction. I'm kind of right now. <laughs> I do like that it has a that there's a an option for a manual transmission. I I just think that's cool. Mm-hmm. And one and I looked this up this morning. One of the uh, gears is a crawl gear specifically. Yep. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, but the Rubicon okay, has it as well. The yeah. base Bronco has a crawl gear. It's it's like thirty thousand versus sixty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. But the Rubicon has better ground clearance than the Bronco I don't know by about like. That actually, did you? Well, did point you see 10. how short that wheelbase is? Point That's... ten. No, no, no. It's it's literally okay, here well, in yeah, the review. But like point ten. How many people? Okay, other than yourself, drive a stock Jeep. Sorry, I just sniped you on that one, but. Well, mainly because it's my daily driver. Yeah. But no, I guess you're right on that end. Well, Jeanette drives the stock Jeep. Right? That, that, that's my point. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's what yeah, I'm saying. She drives the stock daily Jeep. Driver. You know? She doesn't so have angry hit. eyes. I wonder how much angry eyes cost. We should get your Jeep some angry eyes. They're one no, angry I mean, eye, the one parts eyelash. are like <laughs> stupid cheap. It looks like it's winking. Ew. <laughs> Don't make it look like Frankenstein. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, no, exactly. Let's move on okay. before I log so, off. I yeah. swear. If you're going to get a new Bronco, kudos. I would love to come check it out. I'm not buying one, even though I passionately defended it, just because I'm I'm too young to go and buy something that I will definitely break. Um, and insurance is way this too is expensive. It's taking so long to come back out. <laughs> exactly. I can't. <laughs> Fun, fun fact for you, uh, like five years of my childhood, basically from like four to nine years old, my dad had a, a Bronco that he crashed in the desert that was just totaled sitting in our driveway. So I got to look at a Bronco that was destroyed. It, it has inspired me to never, ever spend money on a Bronco, a Jeep, or anything that breaks. Uh, but yeah. So almond prices, so right, y'all? Let's talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's 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 stop this here, and let's move on to the discussion. Yeah, it just died on the road like a jeep. What? Whoa! You often see more Fords on the road yeah. than Jeeps. Just saying. And the Jeeps survive a better it's car crash. Because they're usually in the garage because they couldn't even make it out. But let's move on to the discussion. Oh! Wow, the tea is hot. <laughs> Mine's actually pretty cool. I could tell. Just an FYI. Into- that's how long this conversation until, has been going. Until you start it up and then the engine overheats. Yeah. Oh, so, damn. almond prices. <laughs> yeah, almond... Yeah. Let's move on. So, okay, right, sorry. Right. Definitive cut. Definitive cut. Right definitive here. cut. Almonds. Let's move into the discussion. Yes. 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 Talking about almond harvest, economy, 
looking forward. Yeah. So I don't know, Connor. Do you want to do you want to kick it off? I I know you did a ton of digging and set the kind of set the scene here for almonds, almonds. Yeah, if I you're tried. North, excuse me. Yes, we we need to say hello to our northern cousins. Yes. So, <clears throat> yeah, I uh, I tried to do a little bit of research. I wanted to you know be prepared because I, it's very easy for this type of a discussion to be very doom and gloom. Yep. And uh, honestly things really don't look super hot but I was listening to um, an, another aggravated podcast um, put on by uh, one of the farm media outfits and I did like what they said at the end that even though things seem a little bit gloomy right now the nice part is that because almonds have good shelf life mm-hmm. and that there's health benefits mm-hmm. almonds are the best to weather the storm in the current state of the economy so that is something to look forward to that yes we're going to be seeing a dip mm-hmm. and we'll get into some of the reasons for why there's a dip but things that have you know stable shelf life so i'm also looking at you raising growers will be able to weather the storm i you know i i, I love raisins so yep. you know i got to try to promote them as much as i can because i know that they're they're usually hit with hard times so well yeah it's because you know what kid wants to eat raisins i, I mean my I, my daughter okay until, until she hits about five and then she won't but yeah, you know yeah exactly and i'm not <laughs> i i do like raisins too but i do know that there's so many people like if you see somebody with a bag of trail mix they're just sitting there <laughs> eating the cashews the you know the peanuts the m&m and then they just there's a stack of raisins Steven, if you're listening, not me. I eat all the raisins. Uh, Steven, I also <laughs> eat all the raisins. That's not me just, you know, trying to kiss up. But I'm just saying, I know a lot of people. Yes, yes. Yeah. No, but so, I mean, you know, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to preface this talk with that because it's, it's, there's so much in the media right now and in the world where we're at that it is very doom and gloom. So I, I do want to say that I do see that there's a silver lining other people see that there's a silver lining and I'm very thankful for the people who are producing the crops and are weathering the storm right now. So thank you farmers. Thank you guys. Still farming. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But as I'm sure we've heard the number thrown out a hundred times by now, but 3 billion pounds of almonds this year. 3 billion pounds. Oh, it's yeah. It's it's wild. It's math. Well, yeah. I I know it's this is in the notes, so this isn't just me doing math on the fly. But it's up almost twenty percent year over year. That's the crazy part. Yeah. 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 Once I saw that, because you know, it it doesn't really mean something unless you have a, another number to compare it to. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty percent increase. That is insane. God. And so. Because we were at two point five mm-hmm. billion. By yeah, by that uh, math. Yeah. So. I think around yeah. this year, last time, they were starting to do what they call their objective uh, projections. And they were saying yeah. they only thought initially that there was going to be 2.2. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the entire market was prepped and ready for a 2.2 billion pound crop. And another, well, we had another 8. 8. 8 billion? billion pounds. 800 million? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what what was in the water this year um it was good yeah the, the mammons loved it <laughs> it was it really had to do with the weather honestly like yeah. early blooms mm. yeah no it late. was it was insane i mean a lot of people yeah were freaking and, the, and then out. The, the late rains uh didn't didn't kill all the all the blossoms mm-hmm. thankfully there was no and uh, i think the the number one thing and i'm not an agronomist but the consistency so you had an early bloom backed up it was literally the april showers bring may flowers mm-hmm. scenario yeah and there was yeah. no frost event that happened really anywhere on a large scale because i know last year the the big thing and I'll, I'll talk about the cherry guys for just a second was that we mm-hmm. had multiple frost episodes and then heavy rains combined with hail that just destroyed bloom so oh, yeah. we lucked out that that window of bloom this year was perfect Oh, I know. It's crazy, and you can see you can see the result of that. I mean, yeah, the trees you know, look I, depressed, and, and that's because oh they're God. so heavy. 
Yeah, you're driving down the road 70 miles an hour, and you can see the, the tree branches touching the ground. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> the, insane. The, the nut load is so heavy, it's crazy. Oh, it's... Yeah. It's, it's it's to me, so and it's incredible. So, a little thing, you know, I said at the beginning of this, I, I kind of have a transition happening, and the podcast is going to transition, and that's because I've, mm-hmm. I've switched jobs, so I'm not 100% focused on almonds anymore. But... Speaking to that with with Phytech and seeing what we were seeing in terms of data, it was just insane. I mean, we're talking about perfect growing conditions. It's not hot. It's not anything. And trees mm-hmm. were stressed to the max because they literally were carrying the probably one of the biggest bumper crops that we have seen in the Central Valley in a decade. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's truly amazing what's happening this year. Yeah. And then from an ET standpoint, too, looking at the other side, because it's coupled with that. Yep. Coupled with that, we're seeing that the, the trees are starting to stress right now because of the, the nuts coming on. Well, we, we've seen them go into a stress pattern as the nut started to produce, and that now that we're going into hole split, you can see that the trees are really stressing because that it's just a, a really nice, mature crop. Yeah. So, you know, on the bright side of things, it's a really nice crop. Yep. There might not be money for it, but it's a really nice crop. Well, <laughs> yeah, we increase our yield by yeah, like 2% well, on this I would crop. also be interested, I mean, so we are talking about, you know, how, I mean, we'll just, I'll throw it out there. The, the big thing right now mm-hmm. is the price for this season, you know, if you had a pre-existing contract, was over $2. It was probably somewhere between 2 and 225 230 Next year, they're predicting that to fall to almost 160. And I mean, the current price was, I believe, one dollar and sixty cents. So, it's yeah, it's lower. It's a backlash. Yeah, well, and it's a backlash. I mean, that that's that's a high supply. I mean, we have a massive supply, and then we also have mm-hmm. a giant issue where imports and exports are not getting in and out of the country. But I think the silver lining to acknowledge is is that we have, I mean, we already said 20% more crop, which if we, we just extrapolate that and say every grower grew 20% more, which I know isn't true, the price is falling by a factor of about 25%. So really, there's only about a 5% loss expected because even though the price is lower, we have more crop to sell. So it's not as ugly as it looks, at least on paper in my head yeah yeah well this was an interesting tidbit that i learned was because we're not exporting and india has become i think india is now the top consumer of our exports yep specifically and, almonds. In yeah specifically almonds and because in indian culture um at weddings it's it's customary to give almonds as a gift mm-hmm. and since they're not having weddings and since there's no exports. <laughs> yeah. Things have just... <laughs> things it's, are it's like a Jeep. Game. They're just... Er, dead. <laughs> Josh, I am no longer going to refer to you with Jeep impressions It's really anymore. hot, really hot. And but then, speaking <laughs> of... Yeah, speaking of like... Okay, so I know we're on the topic of like crops right now and on the verge of failure, but... Think about it too with corn and soybeans because there's less travel now. Biofuel oh. is also, you know, kind of Tanked. decreasing on that. Yeah, end. but think it's about stinky. this: a lot more people are cooking at home. So, I think we should probably look up the statistics on this. But I'm sure that there's some numbers showing that produce, like local or domestic produce, is probably increasing because yeah. people are cooking a lot more at home now. Well, so. And I, that might be interesting to look at. Yeah, and I think I mean we we talked about this way back at the beginning of the of the the pandemic. Uh, I just remember we looked at I think it was the end of March, early April. We looked at the state of the markets and fresh produce just absolutely went off a cliff because restaurants were just shut down. But wheat yeah. was higher than it had been probably in the last twenty years. That's true, and yep. it and it's still from what the last time I checked, which isn't super recent, was still going strong, and I think that speaks a lot to I mean I mean preppers, <laughs> you guys are stockpiling wheat, good for you, but it was it's good to see some segments of the industry that have been almost forgotten about. I mean, 
you tell me the last well, time you saw a wheat field yeah. in the valley. I remember as a little yeah. kid, they they were out there, but now they're almost non-existent just because there was no reason to grow that crop. Now mm-hmm. we're probably mm-hmm. seeing a scenario where guys might start picking up wheat again, just as a good cover crop to hold them over to the next year, which is yeah, I th- little winter wheat. I think a good thing. It's you know we we get lots of beneficial things by rotating a crop and not mono you know monocropping. Um, good additional growth. You know it's a winter wheat cycle, so it's it's cool. I'm I'm excited for yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it would be an interesting. I don't know if they. I don't know if it's even possible. I, I'm sure j- just because of the harvesting, it would be too difficult. But could you imagine flooding grape fields in the winter time and planting rice? Oh, jeez. In between the rows, if yeah. there's a way to harvest that, oh my gosh, you. Oh, that would be so cool. It would be well. And speaking of of flooding fields, something that. I think is going to start happening a lot more with Sigma changing the way that we're going to be farming. Um, We're going to see a lot more farmers with, if you have the ability to flood and you're above a basin that's struggling, you're going to be incentivized by the state and incentivized by Sigma to actually take excess water and flood. And I think that's a good thing. What's what's up? Hold on, you're making way too much sense. Oh wow, sorry. Yeah, California's yeah, never going to do that. You're making way too much sense. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, the good part is, is it it makes sense, and we do see lots of benefits again from that. You know, we talked about agronomic benefits, but if we got to a place where maybe just five percent of the almond crop went back under flood irrigation practices. Or 10% of the grapes that we grow here in the Central Valley, the the benefit of that over the long term will just be phenomenal. We are going to see so many good things, um, water tables being restored, aquifer recharge, and I. Th- well, things are eventually going to get yep. back to level because right now what we're noticing is like. We were at, you know, at a, at a peak, but everything was just, you know, flop-sided with Sigma yep. and everything happening going on. So now it's like, we're going back to our old ways, what made sense, and now it's, you yeah. know, leveling well, back up again. The good thing is benefit of hindsight in, you know, Connor, I, I'll make sure I get the, the plug to Jane here because they were one of the big proponents of MicroDrip. Is MicroDrip is, is a phenomenal technology. Precision irrigation is amazing, but we need to combine that with our knowledge of the environment and and use that in tandem. So in years that we don't have the supply, micro drip application, sprinkler application is going to be beneficial. In wet years, like we've seen in the last you know couple, if we can flood and we can get the surface water allocations that we need and that's the hard part not gonna lie is Mm -hmm. making sure that you get the allocation but if those allocations start to come back and the flooding happens in wet years and we use micro drip in off years i think that sigma won't be as ugly I'm, i'm much more optimistic in the last three weeks than i have been in the last probably three years yeah well let's call it for what it is farmers understand what they could do if they had access to the resources that they needed. That they needed. It's it's the people who are pushing the legislation that need to recognize. They need to wake yeah. up. It's not it's not the farmers. People yeah. Behind the you scenes. know, this is not this is not something to put on the farmers and to stress to them. And I I think you're right. There there is a good balance of postseason flooding to recharge water tables and things like that <clears throat> and even you know in the early season yeah doing flooding at the beginning of the season to stockpile mm-hmm. so then that way you know when we are pumping from the ground it's not it's not overdrawn so it just it makes so much sense and um dr hamilton yes dr hamilton at the uh uh the fourth uh, kern water summit uh was talking about a, a way to catch excess floodwaters up in the delta mm-hmm. the only problem is that's only half of the solution we then have to be able to have a way to convey that down to the central valley where the water users are yep but 
that's a good step in the right direction. I'm just scared that it's going to get killed because it's going to cut into the deep pockets that are making money off of all these water wars, if we're being honest. Yeah. So. Well, and I'll speak to it too, you know, having lived up in the Delta region for quite some time now, is that Delta growers, because of the, the secure water rights that they have and, you know, the, the scenarios, that's the same thing with a guy that grows in Kern County. That's the land that you're connected to. That's the land that you make money off of. So you're going to defend it to your dying breath. But uh, something I think we, we spoke with Scott Soyes about is that mm-hmm. we really need to be connected as an industry. And I know that the Delta is very scared about giving up its water. But we do know that there's probably about, I think it's two and a half, or not two and a half, but two, two and a half million acre feet of excess water that could be pulled out of the Delta without changing the environmental, you know, what, what am I looking at? Yeah. It's not going to, it's not going to negatively affect a lot of saltwater intrusion, that kind of thing. So investing mm-hmm. in large scale projects that can capture that water, store that water and use it south of the Delta when we need it. I'm not saying it needs mm-hmm. to be something that communities depend on every year, but if you have just like a good savings account, right? If we're smart financial planners, we yeah, have a rainy like a day backup. fund. We need to have a rainy day fund of water to really be able to combat the future. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, we wouldn't need so much damn water because if we if we were stockpiling it into the groundwater and mm-hmm. taking taking the excess surface water at the beginning of the season, we really wouldn't need as much damn storage. Yeah. Um, we. We wouldn't really. Yeah, need to I mean, on it, it as would much. be nice if we could shift to having. The water that is stored behind the dams as that failsafe for the drought conditions and then relying on what's already existing that would be ideal but you know we have a long way to go the fact that you know we just heard from the water board a few weeks ago saying that they're going to look at what it would take to repair the Frank Kern canal and um, the california aqueduct but you know not actually do any work on it was just mind-blowing to me it's like if you're going to look at it just schedule the work and do it all at once. Yeah. But again, taking money away from those who are profiting off of the water wars. And what's sad, what's sad about that, and I'm glad you guys brought up Sigma, um, banks are almost suggesting growers to retire their non-performing yep. orchards. Non-performing meaning they're not meeting consistent requirements and profitability mm-hmm because they're seeing the trend of what can happen with Sigma, so they're almost recommending them to just retire them early mm-hmm. before you know season ends. So, because they weren't supposed to see this oversupply maybe until like 2022, yeah. but because it jumped so quickly, now they're almost suggesting their growers to almost look yeah. into something Yeah, well different. it's interesting, because I, you know, I was looking at the state of the economy too, and trying to get a grasp on outside of agriculture or how agriculture is tied to what is going on in the rest of the economy too. The John Hopkins um, Institute has a separate entity where they put out news articles and talk to different specialists and stuff. And um, along those lines, because you know, as much as we want to, we can't ignore what's going on in the world right now. And just talking about, you know, how how everybody's dealing with this. So talking about banks, um, the author interviewed um, the specialist on economy and things like that. And he was talking about how America has responded to the slump in the pandemic versus the EU. And he was stating that America's done a really good job at being very proactive and trying to nip things in the bud the best that they can. And uh, Europe has had a little bit more of a slow burn. And I think that's more about how their economy is already structured yeah. um, already because mm-hmm. uh, they have multiple uh, national banks feeding into each other <clears throat> to try to deal with all the different uh, Yeah, it's, uh, countries it's several there. countries instead of one federal government. Exactly. And then on top of that, too, uh, they do have higher income taxes and things like that. So that's part of that slower burn. So America is a lot more nimble in their response with trying to offset some of the shock and talking about the differences you know because a lot of people 
equate this back to the rate, uh, you know, the Great Depression and the Great Recession. Yep. And this author was talking about, you know, that was different than what we're facing right now. Because back then, what we had was a demand shock. Right now, what we have is a supply shock. Mm-hmm. And so you can't really, you know, you, you, you can you can glean a little bit off of some of the policies and some of the things that were put in place back during the Great Depression, the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. But you can't, you know, you can't wholeheartedly go back and say, well, let's do the exact same thing. Because they're similar, but they're different. Yeah. Well, and like what you said, it, this, this is supply shock versus demand. Because, I, I mean, in the Great Recession, mm-hmm. it was very much the fact that money was accessible is what what screwed us up and when i say Mm -hmm. money was accessible i mean people could go out and get a home loan on low interest for a home that they physically could not afford and then oh by the way i could get a condo to vacation in and when Mm -hmm. all of that started to pile up and enough people did it we had a a massive bubble pop because the demand for money at a low interest rate eventually crippled the economy. Now we have just basically shut the supply off. It's like turning off the water tap, which is good because I think when you look at, at the pattern right now that you you know, you know look at the, the NASDAQ or anything, it kind of, if you go back to 2008, it was just like falling off a cliff. I haven't looked at it in the Great Depression. I, I don't know where I'd find that data, but when you look at it now, it's very much, it's looking like a U shape. So we, we fell mm-hmm. into a hole, but the stock market has been climbing. And I mean, not I'm not saying mm-hmm. climbing amazingly, but we're recovering. I mean, people are going back to work. I mean, Walt Disney World opened back up. Um, don't know if it was the right decision or not yet. We'll see that in the future. But it, it's everything's kind of bouncing back out. And I, it's, it's really fascinating yeah. to look at. Yeah. I feel like within the first year of obviously COVID happening, a lot of businesses are seeing that first hit, the the hit that's being hit hard. Because if you think about it, Disneyland lets in about- It's it's a ridiculous number of people. It's an astronomical- Thousands. So the money that they make on annual passes and daily passes, which are now- Astronomically expensive. Have increased. So they're still losing money more than they did making money. So everyone's going to see that first hit within this first year until we can control this whole COVID thing yeah. and get it, get well, it in control. But the, the good thing is this, is that when we, when we take it back to a place, you know, agriculture, we look at the current state of the markets, the almond price, is ag's very cyclical and seasonal so we we don't have a, a large amount of control like say tesla's stock tesla's stock which by the way if, if we would have had money back in march holy crap we'd be rich right now but things in te- the tech industry you know they they can jump up and down on a day-to-day basis we jump up and down mm-hmm. on a yearly basis sure and I think next year you know we're going to still see the residual effects of this depression even if you know a vaccine was to arrive in december it's still we're going to feel the effects but when we look ahead to 2022 i think and i i'm not an economist i'm not any of these things but the the state of the world is going to be hey we just emerged from something that shut our lives down changed the way we behave the way we acted i think you're going to see the world grow to be a little more connected after this and when the yeah. world works better together and sorry this is a little globalist you know i'm 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 throwing that out there but the when the world works better together we we can all benefit economically and i think that the demand i mean if you look if you look at china china literally sells california produce in supermarkets for four times what they sell domestic produce I th- yeah, same thing with Japan too. I don't know what the I don't know what the multiplier is, but I know that yeah. Japan does the same thing. Yeah. yeah, I just think that when you look to 2022, that we actually are going to see good things come out of this and prices increase, and uh, in, in certain exports. So, it's exciting. I'm hoping that I'm right, and if I am right, you know. That's like. 
very yes, perfect. Yes, it's a, very much a perfect world. But because of the whole trade war going on and the whole deal with China going on, like if 2020 is the year, and I'm praying that 2020 is the year that we just fully recovered, because I think it might take within a year for us to get back to back back on our feet to double what mm-hmm. we missed and lost. Yeah, unfortunately, year. I think it is going to take. So longer. 2020 might be that fresh yeah, start. Oh well, yeah, yeah, it's it's hitting the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I think we found the bottom. You know, when when we had forty million people unemployed, I think we found That's the bottom true. of it. No, I, I think I think we got a view of the bottom. Oh. Yeah. Got you. Yeah, I think we got a view of what the bottom looks like, and um, yeah, I think you know, kind of tying things. It's not bikini. It's rock bottom. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's true. That's right. Rock bottom. Great episode. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I think kind of tying tying the world economy and what's going on in society back to ag the the whole idea of supply shock is to give people confidence to continue to work yep and i know that one of the one of of the biggest complaints when i talk to farmers and talk to people in the industry is that there is um there's this uh, scare of losing labor to unemployment because unemployment is profitable right now Mm -hmm. you know you're making an additional six hundred dollars and for those who are choosing to go on unemployment, you know, because I do know people who are on unemployment because they have to, but there's there's this trend where people choose to go on unemployment because they're making more there. Yep. I have a feeling that, and, and I can't speak, but this is just my initial observation, is that people that do that don't see the long-term effects of what's going on there. Oh, no. You're going to have to pay that money back, and if everybody starts doing that, where's that money going to be coming from to pay for that? So well, and that's the whole idea of dealing with supply shock sorry i'll just finish no you're good you're good the whole idea of dealing with supply shock is to give people that confidence and to keep the labor force strong Mm -hmm. to weather this storm and to get through this so you know in ag having people stay out working in the fields running the tractors working in the packing houses you know working at the haulers things like that that's what's important to get through this time yeah well, and what I was just going to say is, is you explained almost perfectly kind of what the other side of that, and that's that's a demand problem, is that if a whole bunch of people were on an unemployment and they kept making more and they kept gravitating towards that, eventually we would have an economic failure. But I know that those yeah. benefits, as of now, are supposed to end in July, and we're only what nine ten days away from the end of July, so we'll see what happens. But I think they got extended. Oh, did they? I haven't. I haven't looked. I think into so. It. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I, I want to say they got extended. Well, even if they did, I I still think that. And again, these are all thoughts. Uh, we we are going to see people, anxiously wanting to go back to work, just because it gives you some sense of normalcy. Yeah, definitely. So I hope, you know, hopefully this is a wake up for some people. Yep. And, you know, I, I just pray that we can support our food chain and support our producers because that's that's what's really, you know, food food wins. That's, that's what helps society win in the end. Exactly. And helps to overcome any sort of struggle. So, well, and especially like, you know, what the what the president of the Almond Board said, I have a quote here, actually, you know. Um, shelf shelf stable and nutritious foods. So not just almonds, but all yep. uh, shelf stable and nutritious mm-hmm. foods that are enjoyed by consumers around the world. And then I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. We'll weather these disruptions and still remain in pretty good shape. Yep. So that's what Richard Waycott said. Perfect. Well, and I yeah. I think a a good point too to make, and it's something that we have on our notes here, is that what we could be seeing as a good benefit, and this is not even related to the economy, but but just weather in general, mm-hmm. is that right now it's supposed to be a cooler winter and a little wetter winter, at least from what we're seeing. It, Especially in the Midwest. Yeah, in the, yeah. In the Midwest. In the East. So California, I mean, it, the weatherman's the only guy that can be wrong 90% of the time and keep his job. So... Well, you know, we're, we're really just throwing darts at the board here. But if, if we have the ability, you know, if, if Mother Nature works with us, that we can have another record crop, we can do another record this, record that, uh, 
I really think that we're going to bounce back no problem. It's just going to take time. Yeah, yeah. I think right now it's, mm-hmm. what do they say? Um, the WVVA is predicting that 50% chance of La Nina. So, oh. you know, it's it's a coin toss, literally. Yeah, yeah that's what I was going to say. Of course, they're just they're going out like, hey, should we say it's going to be a La Nina or La Nina? And they're like, well, let's just say it's 50%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. But yeah, so thinking about all this and with all this in mind and, and with hopes of a wet winter, again, you know, hoping for a wet winter um, and seeing that there are trends that occur in agriculture, what do you guys think will be the next commodity to kind of, like almonds, kind of swoop across the Central Valley? Because, you know, supply and demand almonds will eventually not be as profitable just because of supply and demand so do you think that there will be another planting craze where people start uh, shifting to another crop as they're pulling out other non-profitable crops like you know let's be honest we see people pulling out a lot of grapes and putting in almonds so what do you guys think might be that next that next trend I'm going to stick through in my resolve and in my thought. I think pistachios still have a lot of potential. Mm. And a lot mm-hmm. of potential, not just that there's something. I love pistachios, A. I can eat a five-pound bag in one sitting. And I think there's sure. a lot of people like that. But the, the pistachio industry is really dominated by wonderful orchards. They, they run most of that right now. And yeah. I think that as we look at things like Sigma, we look at water use, pistachio trees can grow in the desert, for God's sake. I mean, they are tough. They're a mm-hmm. low water user. Um, people love them. It's just a matter of seeing how we can utilize a pistachio as other than just a snack food. Because almonds, I think, really took off because it's not just raw almonds. It's a Snickers bar with almonds. It's mm-hmm. almond candy. It's almond on my salad. It's almond in my, you know, in my dish. Um, and pistachios mm-hmm. really haven't gotten that limelight yet. And I, I think that they're going to. And Same thing with walnuts. Yeah, yeah. And I really think that the, you know, not just looking at the finished product side, but looking at the actual growing process, the trees are tough. They don't stress a lot. They have low water demand. Um, and I just think yeah. it, it'll Honestly, make a lot of sense that pistachios I'm will really be one of the next big like ones. Will it be the biggest? Crop? I don't know, but uh, I think it's gonna. I'm thinking the crops Gina? are haven't been making a comeback are officially going to be starting now, just because you know the projections that we're viewing and stuff. But mainly, I'm probably looking at either lavender and garlic for the most part. Yeah, mm-hmm. because gar I mean uh, lavender, they're about they're hmm. making more than like a million as, dollars as being per the next year trend of just, just with lavender products. And now, hmm. because La- we're with the COVID stage, for sure. there's a lot more relaxation at home. Some. Candles, you know, lotions, um, cool. even oil essentials. Yeah, so. I, I'm going to say lavender might be, might be the one. Essential oils, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. It'll be interesting. Huh. Yeah. Well, only time will tell. Only time will tell. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Nice. Well. Yeah. Any any final thoughts before we move on? No. I, I think he takes uh, into a deep hole. <laughs> I think that's enough data to dump into someone's brain for the day. I'm sure we could go deeper. But oh yeah, I think that's 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 some good stuff to digest. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yes, we could we could <laughs> go for a while. Yes, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, to all the listeners, you know, as we're going through some of these changes, we are trying to get a little bit more meat, a little bit more substance to our discussions. We do we do like the time that we're running right now I think it's it's a good time uh, just enough to give you some things to digest but we want we want a little bit more dense content so 
you know, we, we, we hope to continue to produce things that are thought-provoking and entertaining and uh, really do have some things that carry on and stick with you throughout the day after you're done listening to us. Mm-hmm. So that's our goal. Again, feel free to give us some feedback. We're always looking for feedback, good constructive criticism wherever we can get it. Exactly. Yeah, rip it off like a Band-Aid. Yes. So for those of you who have our phone numbers, call us up and tell us what we're doing great. But maybe start off with telling us what we're doing wrong, because I like bad news first. So. Yeah, always, it's the compliment. As you can see, we love to <laughs> The compliment you. sandwich. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, so. And we're not typical millennials. We don't get offended too easy, so. I, I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I, I get triggered. No, I'm kidding. That's right. That's right. Oh. Uh, All right, let's well, argue yeah, so again. There's our discussion for today. Yeah, so that that's the end of our discussion segment for today. And uh, we're going to, you know, throw in another new rotating segment. We're trying things out, seeing what sticks and what doesn't. So rotating segment for today is Ask the Locals. Uh, a lot of us are uh, on the road a lot, so we get to try a bunch of different local eateries all across the valley mm-hmm. and we come across some really good stuff so uh we want to share that with the audience so in case you're in that area or plan to be in that area if you're not from around there uh you'll well, have I got a good two. suggestion but and a good recommendation so i'll start off because i know Jeanette's <laughs> Jeanette's suggestion is gonna potentially trigger a discussion between her and josh <laughs> okay okay yeah we'll see what time permitting um, but yeah, I, uh, I've been going down to Bakersfield a lot uh, for work recently, and uh, I recently found this new local eatery called Shake in Buns. So it's shake, the letter N, and then buns huh. down in the Bakersfield area. And it is, it is fantastic. It's, it's a lot like Triangle Burger up here in the Fresno area, mm-hmm. you know, like good quality buns, handmade patties. Uh, just good quality ingredients and the burgers, you know, from the freshly made onion rings and the bacons, you know, that thick cut bacon and, and fresh vegetables. And I'm pretty sure they just use store-bought fries and they just throw all seasoning on it. But there's something about that combination that is really good. There's a reason it works. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it is like stick to your ribs, good quality food. So if you're in the Bakersfield area, shaken buns. Or shaking buns, if you say it quick. but that really sounds really good. That's right. <laughs> Down in the Bakersfield area, oh, I got the Western Burger. Good. It was really good. So, you know, hats off to you guys for, you know, doesn't it? It, it was really good. It, it, I'm telling you, at, the, at after being out in the field all day in the hot sun, it's perfect. having something super salty <laughs> and, like, dense was really good. What? So... There's my recommendation. Perfect. I'll throw mine in next because, like Connor said, I, I know Jeanette and I might we might argue a little bit, but I have to plug Iningas Bakery in Los Banos, and I think we've touched on it before. Iningas. Oh, it's I. I just actually I think it's pronounced Iniguez. Iniguez. I I, I apologize yeah. if if I screwed it up. You can screw up my last name too. But it, the food there is just out of this world. It is incredibly good. It's homemade. Um, I won't even. I won't talk about it because I'm going to get hungry, and we still have to talk a little more. But holy <laughs> moly! And Ninguez Bakery, Los Banos. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the torta, unreal carne asada, amazing carnitas, and I think chili verde you, is what Connor would get when we like stop by. But all of it just oh, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I gotta oh, stop. I'm, I'm, my mouth's smart. already watering. I'm getting that's excited. Really I'm getting we'll be, and smart. Because, because they're a bakery. Pan dulce, like <laughs> yeah, but good combo. yeah, it's because they're a bakery you get, and you the taco. Yeah, and then you so get their bread is fresh made right there. Oh, oh my god, it's gosh. so good. Oh, <sighs> well, burritos. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because burritos yeah. are better, but yeah. There, so there's one that's like yeah. a yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it looks I don't like know what it's called, but it's 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 like the jelly one. One that kind of looks like, like a cake dumpling, with jelly on the inside, but not really. But then you also have what the donut ones, the donut ones that um, either have like a gel fill circle. You can see it. There's those, and then there's the longer ones. They call yeah, them horns. There's the longer ones that actually have the jelly filled ones. So I mean, 
that's the beauty of our culture and ban dulce mm-hmm. is that you can really form it into anything and it's still good you can make them into animals too yeah freaking love Bon yeah. Jose. Yeah. 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 It's great. Oh, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Every time I'm in Los Banos, I stop by and I grab a bag. Because you know how they have the, you know, the medley? Yeah. I love it. It's so good. Sorry, Josh. No, you're good. You're you good. Off. No, it's it's all good. Oh, I, like I said, oh, I gotta stop talking face. about it because I'm getting meat okay. sweats over here. So, so. you guys know that almost every weekend, I tend to go oh, up to the mountains a so lot, Jeanette, do my hiking, outdoor activities. So when I either go up to Aubrey after my hike, I stop by this one tavern. It's called Stonehouse Tavern. Ta- tavern. Sorry. Mm. Um... See what I mean? <laughs> so Stonehouse, listen, Stonehouse. I actually got to meet. Oh my gosh, you're going to Stonehouse. Okay, there. sorry. Continue. And this was like in the midst of like COVID. <laughs> nothing, nothing. Continue, continue. So Please tell me about Stonehouse. Me and my friends <laughs> stopped there, and we we're probably going to go to go right. Um, well, we started talking about all of this and how it's affecting his business and stuff. So, me being wholeheartedly like hey this is like a you know small business owner you know just trying to get through it but the burger was actually good the fries were crisp everything was just good and i got the barbecue it was like a barbecue burger so that's one that Mm -hmm. i i encountered and i liked another one (laughs) so bass lake Y'all are familiar with like Miller's Landing, the restaurant there, and then right next to it is the Forks. I haven't tried the Forks yet, but I've tried Miller's Landing restaurant, the one that's right there where you rent. So I got their barbecue burger again, Mm -hmm. and to me, it just hit the spot. But according to others, Forks is the place to go. Josh, I'll, I'll leave it to you. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just gonna throw it. So my my parents live, I, I, ten minutes from the Forks right now, which is you know fifteen minutes from Miller's Landing, but uh, I'm I'm just gonna put it out there. So Miller's Landing. Decent food. It's a cool little spot to go hang out at Bass Lake. Um, but there's a reason why Memorial Day weekend, Labor Day weekend, the 4th of July, that it literally takes three hours to get a table at the Forks. Because they have mastered and perfected the sourdough burger. It is hands down the best food you can get in Madera County in the mountain area. There's no if ands or yeah no if ands or buts it's cooked to perfection every time shredded nice crispy cold iceberg lettuce tomato nice hot freshly grilled sourdough with that burger i it's no contest to me like that that's how much that's how passionately i feel about this uh the forks blows it out of the water and i have to recommend every single time i go at to the forks, That's they have uh, an item on their menu they call it the meal, and the meal gets you a drink, a salad, fries, and the, the sourdough burger. And mm. oh, I demolish it every time, and every time I demolish it, I feel horrible about myself because you're like, uh, it's too much food, but it's just unreal. There's nothing better in the mountain area. I'm sorry, and if if you're up there and you don't believe me. Go have Miller's for lunch and then go to the Forks for dinner. I'm, I'm telling you right now, your opinions will be yeah, changed. Yeah, I may have to try it this weekend. Well, on that side of the mountain. But yeah. Well, yeah, we're talking about north. That's why I said Madera County. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't get all offended. Jo- Josh and I Josh and I go back and forth about you, that. You yeah. little Fresno County boy. Fr- friend, friendly. Yes. Yes, friendly. Or, you know, friendly. Ooh, and actually, yeah. sorry, one more thing that I, I'd like to recommend and I don't know what the current state of their business is, just because it's kind of hard to know. Um, 
but way up above Bass Lake. So there's Baysor Road that goes north out of Bass Lake. <laughs> and in Baysor Meadow, there's a little like yeah. country store. And it operates up there. And it, when, it, when I say I don't know the state of their business, I mean, they, they don't have a telephone number. They don't have anything. It's literally like an old-time general store that does cash only. Uh, nice. But it's probably the best burger you can get above 6,000 feet in elevation. So if you're headed to Bass Lake and you want to go up Baysor, go up Baysor. Stop by the little store in Baysor Meadow. Get yourself. They have beer in cans that they'll sell to you. It's not like they have beer on tap. They literally, you walk over to an ice chest and pull a beer out. Pull a beer out, grab a burger. And there's just, there's not much else like it. So that's, there you go. My, my second plug for Madera County for the day. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're coming to the end of our time here. So hopefully you get something good out of that. And hopefully if you're in any of those areas, um, tra- take up our recommendations and tell us how we did. Um, and uh, hopefully you enjoy it. Yeah. And I, yeah, like Connor said, that's a wrap. I mean, Around. Just make it simple. Do you want to do the thing, Connor? I'll do the thing until we can get a better spokesperson. Yeah, we're working on that. Quick. We're working on that. Yes. Yeah, we're working on that too. But yeah, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into this week's episode. And remember, you're listening to the best gluten free podcast ever. <laughs>